You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking with Philip Holmes. He is the founder of Highest Good Media and the VP of Institutional Communications at Reformed Theological Seminary. Philip, thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Zach. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. Um, can you share uh, with our audience a little bit about your background and, and past experience, how you got to where you're at today? Sure. Uh, I'll try my best to give you the short version of it. Um, so I, I am going to start from where I'm from because I, I love uh, being from Pickens, Mississippi. Um, okay. It's a small town of less than a thousand, uh, about 45 minutes north of Jackson, uh, Mississippi, which is, of course, the state capital. And uh, yeah, I grew up. I grew up in Pickens. Um, played basketball uh, all of my life. Grew up in the church. Uh, I actually started. Fun fact or interesting fact: uh, I started preaching um, when I was 11 years old. Um, wow! And I was licensed in the National Baptist Convention at the age of 12. Now, that is not a um, as as we would say in my circles. Uh, that is not prescriptive. Uh, that's simply descriptive <laughs> of, of, of my journey. Um, but I had, I had a, fa- I grew up in a family that, uh, that loved Jesus and was, uh, very serious about, uh, our faith, especially my grandmother, um, who's still alive. She's actually 91. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. 91 this year. I should turn 91 in July. And, um, my grandmother, uh, discipled me as a, as a child. Um, and, and so, yeah, so, so. Growing up, I don't know, even when I was preaching, I don't know if I had a good grasp on the Bible, um, but the Lord and, and his providence, man, just kind of put certain things in my pathway. So the first commentary that someone bought for me was a Matthew Henry commentary. Now, mm-hmm. I didn't realize how important uh, Matthew Henry would be to me later on um, as I grew up, but it was very um encouraging to look back and think, man, nobody in my circles had any idea who Matthew Henry was, but I was using him for sermon prep. Um, fast forward, um, I played high school ball. So basketball was a huge part of my life growing up. Um, played basketball in college, ended up at a Christian liberal arts university and, um, in Jackson, Mississippi called Bellhaven. Um, I was there with the intention of majoring in communications, um, but decided that uh, perhaps the Lord was calling me full-time to ministry, pastoral ministry. So I switched my major uh, to biblical studies. I also didn't like my introductory communications class. Um, it, it just, something about communications uh, wasn't really vibing uh, with me. And of course, I, I just thought that communications was where I was supposed to go because, you know, uh, I've been preaching, I've been public speaking um, my, my entire life. So, um, the, switched to biblical studies, thought that I was going into pastoral ministry, but the Lord had different plans. Um, and in 2011, 
um, as I was in my first semester of seminary, um, I co-founded the Reform African American Network, which is now The Witness, uh, alongside Jamar Tisby. And a lot of people, um, Jamar is kind of uh, a a well-known, way more well-known than he was at the time. Uh, He wrote The Color of Compromise, so a lot of people know him from that. Um, I stayed with that ministry uh, until 2014, and I was actually doing kind of operations. So that included uh, marketing, uh, staff management, and stuff like that. Uh, I kind of did a lot of the administrative stuff uh, while I was there. And that's when I really discovered my love for marketing, my interest uh, mm-hmm. in marketing. And it was from there uh, I began to uh, kind of think, what, what does the next phase of life after I leave, um, after I left uh, RAN in 2014, like what is this next phase of life going to look like? So I just got married. Um, I started calling and making a few contacts and um the team at desiring god um is long story short offered me a job um so i worked for desiring god for a year as a content strategist uh which included you know social media um writing um i think i did about two one one blog a week or two two blogs a week or something like that um so i really enjoyed that um, um, season uh, for the most part, but it was also really hard on me personally and on my family being away from uh, where I grew up and also being in Minneapolis because it's super cold up there. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So we we essentially found, made our way back to Mississippi with our newborn who had just been born that summer. Um, and I uh, got into a, a job with the financial industry as a, a creative director. Um, and then after that. Um, I ended up um, coming to RTS in 2017, and that's where I've been ever since. And uh, just to kind of weave highest good in, in 2018, uh, several months after I got the job at RTS, I, I really wanted to um, expose myself to uh, diverse ministries, I guess, and diverse industries when it came to marketing. Uh, wow. Because higher ed is kind of its own beast and it's really difficult to market in. Um, but I wanted to also kind of keep myself sharp and engage other uh, industries as well. So I decided to start Highest Good um, in order to not just deal in higher ed, but also work with potentially nonprofits, also work with individuals uh, as I had time in order to bring in extra income. And that's kind of was was the original purpose of plan for Highest Good at the time. So, yeah. Okay. Wanted to play around in some other aspects of the ministry space with higher correct or highest good. highest correct. Gotcha. And what have you been doing lately with Reformed Theological Seminary or RTS, as we'll maybe refer to it from now on? Um, yeah. And and uh, share what you're most excited about with what you guys are doing there. Man, we've the Lord has really been like gracious and kind to. Um, me since I've been at RTS. So we've, we've had a lot of success, um, in the last, I guess, three years at this point. Um, you know, when I came there, RTS had a, my predecessor, uh, was a communications, um, person. I think he was the CEO, but, uh, we really didn't have a communications office. Uh, and what I mean by that is, um, he held the title, but 
and, and probably did some of uh, the work, but we didn't, he didn't have a team um, and we didn't really have processes. Um, so one of the things, so, so essentially, you know, my task when I first came in was to, I basically had to start from scratch. I didn't inherit systems or processes or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I also didn't inher- inherit a team. Um, so I was sort of the, for the first year I was alone, uh, communications director. And then I had like a part-time intern. Um, and you know, over the last, uh, three years, that team has grown to, uh, four full-time people. Uh, and, um, and that same intern is still with me. He's actually my part-time social media manager right now. Um, and he's, and he's grown so much in that role. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, we were looking at some of the stats, you know, we've increased, uh, website traffic since we launched a new website, um, by a hundred percent in the last, um, two years. Um, so that's been super encouraging. We significantly, uh, increased our lease. We're focusing a whole lot on lead generation, um, and building, uh, funnels so that we can essentially take people from strangers to customers. Uh, in the last year, in the last six months, rather, uh, we've seen some pretty significant successes uh, as we've partnered with campuses uh, in order to help them increase um, um, credit hours. So we most most people refer to their, um, you know, how well they're they're doing. They they say, well, we had these many students uh, this year, uh, new students. Well, RTS we focus uh, on credit hours uh, more than anything else. So we've had uh, a we had one program that was uh, really hurting uh, over the last few years that hadn't been able to pick up any steam, but it was a really good product. The guys in uh, Orlando had done a great job uh, putting together uh, sort of this com- complex hybrid MDiv program, um, but they realized that nobody knew about it. Um, so, you know, I had a new team that didn't have any marketing experience whatsoever when I uh, recruited them. Uh, and I probably wouldn't do this again, but I basically baptized them uh, in, with a fire hydrant and just told, <laughs> told the campuses that I said, hey, uh, you guys come to us with a problem and, and and we'll see if we can help you solve it. So one of the problems that was uh, brought to us was this hybrid MDF program. And um, they said, hey, we feel like there's not a whole lot of awareness. So we built them a, a full funnel uh, and increased their credit hours by uh, over 200 percent. Um, so, uh, and, and they had actually recruited more, they had more new credit hours this incoming year than they had, um, since the program had started. That's incredible. Those are some crazy results. Yeah, we, we were, we were, we needed a win. My team was young, uh, Uh but they were, um, they, they, they're, they're commit. They love their job. None of them ever thought that they'd be working in marketing and communications, but, um, because of budget, um, uh, constraints. Yeah. Budget restraints, yeah. uh, budget limitations. <laughs> I, um, go. there we go. Just found a new word. Um, I had to, I had to hire people who I knew were capable, um, even if they didn't have the knowledge or experience. And so we invested a whole lot in resources and training. Um, okay. in order to get them to where they needed to be. And uh, this was a, one that we ran in the spring, and it was right when we were, we were hitting our stride. So uh, I was really proud of them. Uh, and, yeah, it's, it's been fun. So we've had some other things that have happened since then. We just launched a certificate program uh, that did really well out of the gate because some of the promotion that we uh, put behind it. Um, so, yeah, 
that, that that's that's in a nutshell what's been going on in RTS. We have a, there's a lot more, but um, we have more important things to talk about. Yeah, no, that's that's really that's really good. Can you just quickly, maybe for our audience, walk us through what a uh, maybe one of your funnels looks like, just in the structure of of from start to finish? What would that look like? A process of taking someone who's a new lead all the way down to um, getting them plugged into this, say, this MDiv program. Sure. So, so for us, this is this is a twofold partnership because uh, I want to make sure I acknowledge this. Um, I, you know, when I, after my first year at RTS, um, our, um, enrollment, um, uh, director passed away uh, suddenly of a heart attack. Um, and yeah, it it was, it was tragic. Uh, he was a really nice guy. Um, so, you know, RTS was kind of scrambling, uh, trying to figure out what we're going to do for our next guy, because RTS is a complex, I mean, complex institution. We have nine, nine campuses at the time. Uh, and, uh, we were trying to figure out, you know, my, my point to them was, Hey, if we bring somebody new in who doesn't know our system, it's going to take them a long time to get acclimated because you may be able to run enrollment at, you know, Covenant or Westminster or Gordon Conwell. Uh, but RTS is a different beast just because it has so many moving parts. Yeah. So w- one of the things I, I encouraged, I was like, the, the guy that you get has to be willing to collaborate with marketing. Uh, sales, and in our case, enrollment and marketing uh, go hand in hand. Um, and if you don't have those two engines working uh, in coordination with, with each other, uh, there's going to be a gap in the customer experience. Uh, yeah. And that gap is going to hurt conversions. Um, so um, they, the, the guy that they hired was the guy that I was, I was recommending um, Dave Vilkamp and him and I have been able to work really well together. So uh, I only mentioned that as a caveat to say uh, while marketing may uh, be giving a lot of input into the overall funnel enrollment plays a huge role because at the end of the day, I can't sell a, uh, $55,000 product online, right? Yeah. People want to pick up the phone and talk to somebody. So the way that, the way that the, our funnels works is the first thing I want to do is, um, well, I, I'll start here. Let's define what a funnel is. Um, a funnel is essentially a, um, a, a set of uh, sequential tactics, and I'm doing this off the top of my head, so correct me if you hear something that needs to be clarified. <laughs> But it's a set of uh, sequential tactics um, that are put in place in order to take a uh, individual from a stranger uh, to a customer. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then one might say, and from a customer to a lifelong uh, supporter or fan, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And and, and one of the ways that I've been defining it lately is is a set of uh, sequential tactics that builds trust over time. So um, the, the first step that we would take when we're building the funnel is we want to figure out who it is that we're talking to. You have to start with the uh, target audience, the customer, the client, uh, because if you try to uh, do anything else before you have a clear understanding of who you're talking to, um, you're going to miss them completely. Um, for instance, if I come on the show and did not do any type of research about your organization or your podcast, um, 
this could have potentially been an, you know, an awkward conversation. So you gotta, you gotta do research, <laughs> right. right? You gotta do research when you're doing it. After you do research, didn't you start crafting messaging, um, after that? Um, because again, you gotta know what you want, but now, you, now that you know the person that you're trying to target, you are crafting your message, uh, around them so that you can make sure you're addressing their core concerns. Uh, you're addressing their pain points. Uh, as it relates to your product. Um, and then that's kind of some of your foundation work, research and messaging. Once you have that in place, um, um, the the way that you would build it next is you would probably want to start at your uh, core product. Um, and then from there, you want to build a lead magnet um, that is um, that is related to your core product. Um, that is the next step that someone should take before they, you know, essentially um, use your core product. So for a seminarian student, we're going to, we might do some, we've done products like uh, five books to read before, you know, applying to seminary or before going to seminary, right? Um, those, you know, so we'll, we'll get Ligon Duncan, uh, who's our chancellor, uh, to put together a reading list. Uh, and he gets giddy over stuff like this. And, <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, and that converts really well. Um, and then um, after that, uh, we're going to put together uh, content that is um, relationship stage appropriate uh, in order to, because uh, some people, you know, you have cold audiences, cold audiences are what we consider um, individuals who don't know anything about you, they don't even know you exist, or if they're aware of you, it's only vaguely. And then you okay. have warm audiences. Those are the people who are following you on uh, Twitter and on Facebook um, and, and they may even be on the email list, but maybe not. Um, so you want to target your lead magnet towards your warm audience, not your cold audience. A lot of people try to give, um, stuff away for free, but you know, to, to a cold audience that's never heard of them, uh, unless it's really good and really rare, everybody's offering free content nowadays. Uh, everybody's offering free resources. Uh, and, and so the general population is kind of getting, you know, aware of the fact that, hey, if you want my email address, that means that you probably want something else. Uh, so you have to make sure that when you craft that lead magnet, there's there's true value there. Like it's something that your target audience really needs. And then when you're crafting um, and, and then when you, and then the people that you're targeting um, that content to, you've already built at least a certain level of trust where they would know, hey, if I download this, I won't mind getting um, emails from RTS, um, because I, I like them. Um, and then, and the way you do that is by getting content that is giving away content and giving and adding value that's completely accessible without any type of walls or barriers. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, we may run, uh, ads or something like that, that are like a, a series of videos that they can just watch, or they may teach you something in like one minute. Um, and, and of course the way that we're crafting those videos as, as much as we have time, uh, we're crafting those videos based on the messaging and the research that we have, because this is that first step, right? This is that first introduction. Um, so this is our first opportunity to build trust. And so we build it backwards because if you, if you build it, um, starting at the, at the top of the funnel, well, what will essentially happen is, is that, um, you'll find yourself always playing catch up. Um, and oftentimes you'll realize that where you started is not necessarily 
um, where you want it to end. So, for example, let's just say, all right, we're going to create an awareness video, but you haven't created your lead magnet yet. And and for, for whatever reason, your lead magnet gets delayed. Um, the other reason, too, and so now you just have a bunch of people watching your content, but they haven't took, taken any action. And then on the flip side of that, uh, you haven't had an opportunity to test your lead magnet with your already warm audience who's already sh- subscribed. So that's a good way to test your lead magnet. If my lead magnet is good and I already have an audience, how about I make my current audience opt into it uh, in order to get it? If they are opting in like crazy, that means that if I can warm another audience up um, who was previously unaware of me before I started this campaign, uh, that shows me that this lead magnet is actually good. So it gives you an opportunity to learn uh, before you um, um, uh give it to a cold audience and I'll, I'll stop right there. I guess that was, that was probably longer than what you needed. No, that's, that's super helpful. And, and so at, at the end of the day, you're providing valuable content specifically tailored to that audience that you have done some research on and, and they're becoming aware of your organization based mm-hmm. on this content that they saw as valuable. And now they, yeah. that trust being built. Correct. And, and the content has to be stage appropriate. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's super important, uh, because you got to think about the Page customer within journey. The funnel. Exactly. Within, that funnel. within the, f- within the funnel, right? So you want to say, um, and, and it has to be risk appropriate as well. So that's why for the top of the funnel content, we don't put up any walls like, Hey, you got to give us your email address to get this. Um, uh, but we also know that that allows us to create content that's valuable, but it doesn't have to be off the charts valuable. Whereas with the lead magnet, the content needs to be really good, um, mm. and and we're and so good that they're willing to give us their email address. And once they open, this is really important. Once they open the lead magnet, the lead magnet has to deliver, right? Because if it does not deliver, you've lost all their trust and they're unsubscribing, and they're not going to want to hear from you again. Gotcha. So, yeah. That's that's really helpful. I think that that will provide some value for ministries just to kind of wrap their heads around what that looks like. Um, okay, cool. So now historically, ministries have kind of lagged behind the, the for-profit world considerably uh, when it comes to marketing. What do you think, uh, what do you guys see that it is that prevents ministries from investing in marketing? And this is more of a question related to what you guys are doing with highest good, I think probably more than uh, RTS. Yeah, I think that, well, I, th- I, I think it, it overlaps, man. You know, I've been able to learn so much about the nonprofit mentality uh, mm. because of my role at RTS, as well as, and it's been confirmed I'm, when I've seen the same things on both sides uh, of my uh, my jobs and my vocations, I'm realizing that there there's a common, uh, there's, there's a pattern here. And I think what it is, is that, Often, at least in my space, the individuals, number one, who end up in uh, executive roles, um, character is prioritized more than actual business experience. Oh, and that's and that's and that's important. And, and I think and that actually that's one of the reasons why I love to work with nonprofits, because you get to work with some of the best people uh, yeah. in the world Um and the reason why that they don't have time to ever develop themselves as business leaders is because often it's not prioritized to them, right? They're, they're starting from scratch. Uh, it's, it's not emphasized as a requirement. 
Um, that's why I think that it's super important for nonprofits to have uh, businessmen, um, mm-hmm. businessmen and women on their boards, um, people who actually have, uh, or at least a, a, a group of them. Oftentimes, we we go after uh, wealthy people uh, to be on our boards because we want them to give. But mm-hmm. I would take a working board that that gives you know average uh, to my nonprofit. Uh, then a uh, donor-based board that gives a lot but doesn't give a lot of mentorship and value, doesn't really um, – they, they don't consider this as a part-time job. Um, and, and, and so what, what often happens is these, these individuals, uh, men and women, are oftentimes also stretched thin as well. They don't have yeah. a lot of time um, to learn new stuff. And you got to prioritize also what you're going to learn. So when you're in a small nonprofit, um, and um, and you know you you know you kind of have a part time bookkeeper and a and a part time you know social media person, and then you got operations concerns. There's just all these things that are coming at you, um, and you never really have an opportunity to to even discover the value of marketing especially digital marketing. So, uh, and because right now, you know, I'm, I'm 33, most nonprofit executives probably tend to be in their at least late thirties, uh, or, or early to, uh, early forties, late fit, early, early forties, late forties or something like that. Um, they are individuals who did not grow up in this particular social media, digital ad age. Mm-hmm. So when they think about marketing, it's billboards, it's um, it's Google Ads. SEO is still big uh, for this particular uh, generation uh, that that I'm referring to. Uh, but beyond that, they don't know how inexpensive and cheap it is to uh, advertise yourself on platforms like Facebook, and how effective it can be. I, you know, it's funny the social dilemma just came out, and a lot of people have been talking about it. And they were like, did you know how much, like, how much information they have on us? And I was like, huh, yeah, <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> I use it every day in order to uh, tar- target people that I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, so it, it's all these data points. And there are some concerns about that, about privacy. Um, and, 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 and a lot of the issues that social, the social dilemma brings up. Uh, but uh, but at the same time, there's some uh, there's a lot of good that the church and the ministries can do uh, with that information that we have uh, at our disposal, and we can we can use it for good. So go ahead. Yeah. Well, and and yeah, there's just like anything else. There's a good side and a bad side of things. How how we take something, how we take a tool, a technology, uh, digital, name anything within digital, and how we use that is dependent on the human being using that piece, not necessarily the thing itself. So absolutely, there's cr- incredible, incredible opportunities for the ministry space, the ministry sector to use these tools to much greater effectiveness uh, in the work that they're doing for the ministries, the support and advocacy they can build, the brand yeah. that they can build in these spaces. Um, I mean, we see it happening with commercial Big businesses, Apples and Cokes and NFL and you name the big brands, Teslas of the mm-hmm. world, 
you know, there are people that are essentially worshiping these organizations because they've created yeah. such strong brand loyalty and they're using these, these spaces that it's not outside of the realm for the ministry space to use it. It's just as a matter of digging in, doing some research and figuring out how it can be effective for your organization. So yep. yeah, that's, that's um, really helpful. I think. Um, so how would you, how would you prompt and encourage or, or encourage ministry leaders to press in more heavily? Because I think what we see is that, that ministry executives, ministry leaders look at what's going on in digital. It's crazy fast paced. There's something new every day. It's hard to keep up with. Mm-hmm. Um, how do they just press in, get started, and maybe start small? Um, I would say start by learning asking questions i think that often we when we and even when we learn a little something we want to start doing because we feel like we've already wasted so much time mm-hmm. um so you know what ends up happening is is that um they they don't realize you know they, they may watch so donald miller uh for example um has created a uh, very successful business. And because of his background as a Christian author, um, a lot of uh, Christians that I know have been using his stuff, which I have also been using, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's benefited me greatly, uh, as I've learned. Um, so they'll they'll watch and take advantage of the resources that he's putting out. Um, but then, and then they'll just go and start trying to like do stuff. Uh, and, and they don't realize that as, as good as his resources are, um, they quickly end up realizing that it's a lot more complicated, uh, than, than that. There's a lot of other moving pieces and I think that he gives you a really good foundation. Uh, but, but often, uh, there's just some things that you can't teach without having someone actually, um, uh, mentor you. Uh, and then also having the time to like, yeah, to walk you through it and also having the time to do trial and error, because guess what? Um, marketing is not a, if I do this according to this formula, I'm going to get it right. Cause yeah. people aren't like that. You're marketing to people. Um, so you, you have to be willing to test. You have to be willing to be patient. Um, and, and, and they're just so other fundamental things. So I, I would say, um, learn enough to know that, uh, marketing is uh, important and it should be prioritized in your organization. And then once you get to that point, find yourself a trustworthy strategist. And this is huge because a strategist, uh, we oftentimes now want to hire a marketing, like we, we try to, the next initial step that people try to do is they try to hire a social media manager. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they try to hire a web design company. Right. Um, but if you're doing all of those things and you lack a strategy, um, you're going to be essentially doing random acts of marketing. Right. And and, they're, and it's going to be um, it's not going to be coordinated. It's not going to be co- comprehensive. Um, it is going to be reactive more than anything else. And and marketing should drive actions. Uh, that lead to results, that lead to revenue. And if your marketing isn't doing that, it's probably because you're just doing random stuff uh, online. So I, I would say 
for ministry leaders to take a deep breath first and foremost and um and 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 learn a little bit and then once they've learned enough to convince them that it can work um look for a strategist to to kind of walk alongside you uh to help you put a, put a plan in place before you start spending money and assuming that all these marketers are just selling snake oil because it doesn't work no it works it's just you're you're probably doing it wrong um yeah. you probably didn't do your research you probably skipped some steps uh and and with marketing uh, is the, the more steps you, you, you skip in the marketing process, just like with a logo, a lot of people wonder why, uh, a logo can cost, you know, $5,000, uh, but you can also go to Fiverr and get one, uh, for, you know, uh, 200. That's because those guys on Fiverr are skipping a lot of steps and, yep. and those guys on Fiverr are appropriate for a particular type of client. Right. And I would say that's somebody who's starting up a small business, um, and, you know, but doesn't have a whole lot of income and revenue. Uh, they're kind of just starting out, but they need a logo, right? You go to Fiverr. You don't need to be paying anybody 3000 bucks, 5000 bucks to, uh, get a, a, a logo. Um, but, but so, so yeah, so I, I, I would say, um, that because they're skipping so many steps, you oftentimes get a product that's subpar and it depends on where you are in your stage of growth, whether that's appropriate or not. But I think that, if you're going to do anything, the difference is, is, is logos aren't necessarily um, built to give results. They're built to um, uh, set the stage kind of f- for experience purposes, yeah. uh, for consistency purposes. It's, it's a visual cue uh, to, the, to the client, uh, but that's not nearly uh, as important uh, as marketing because your marketing has to be, be you, you can't settle to do random acts of, of marketing especially if you're paying for those random ads to, to, to be done because you'll end up wasting more money than anything else and you won't get results. Uh, mm-hmm. So you want to start with a strategist and then a strategist from there will essentially uh, help you put together a comprehensive plan. Um, and then, you know, you will catch up with that person that started doing random acts of marketing a year ahead of you. Uh, you if you if you do a and I'm gonna say it's gonna take you a year of planning, but if you take your time and plan, you'll catch up with anybody who started before you, uh, just doing a bunch of stuff that wasn't comprehensive or, or coordinated. So, at what point, especially right now, where as COVID hit and then now it's you know we're on that second wave, ministries are have just been holding tight to funds and not doing anything, right? That's kind of been the the motion of a lot of the ministry space. At what point should ministries, um, especially right now, be coming alongside and maybe outsourcing some of this stuff or continuing to move forward with things in-house? Like at what point do they come on, bring on an agency to help out in this space? Um, And at what point is it okay to just learn and be patient and do things on your own? Um, I mean, I guess it depends on the level of expertise that you have in the house, but to answer your initial question or what you referred to in your initial question, um, honestly, man, I, so when the pandemic hit, I started spending uh, more uh, money, uh, not less, because I, I realized that there was an opportunity uh, that was going to be short-lived. Everybody was going to be in their house. Uh, yeah. which means that everybody's going to be spending more time online and, and that's probably not going away. And uh, everyone was going to um, 
um, essentially be on social media. So that was an opportunity for me to reach a greater number of individuals and also provide resources that would address their concerns um, and, and, and begin to build that trust to, show, to let people know that we were a trustworthy institution. So I, I would say that um, six months ago to your at, at what point, um, but it's still not too late. Um, the opportunity isn't as ripe um, now, uh, but it's, it's, one could argue that it's as ripe as it's going to ever be again. In a sense, because yeah. you, because, just because you didn't act when you should have acted initially doesn't mean that you should just give up and not act now. Um, so, so I would say people should be doing something as soon as possible. And if they're going to start somewhere, they need to start with a strategist. Uh, because when it comes to um, storing up your money, like investing in marketing is not like investing in the stock market. Right, there are appropriate times to take your money out of uh, stocks and hold on to them if you really know what you're doing and you have a, a good financial planner that that sees that. But a lot of financial planners would tell you to continue to continue investing, uh, mm-hmm. and, and or don't take your money out because when the market recovers, you'll get in trouble. Uh, and and that's a, that's a little bit that I learned from my year in uh, financial planning. Um, <laughs> so, so, but because it, it, it kind of reminds me of the parable. Uh, of the talents uh-huh. where instead of investing it, uh, the individual just buried it. Um, and, 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 and it seems to me that holding on to your funds, um, at, could, could be based on fear. It may not always be. I'm sure there are some unique, unique situations out there that want, that, that might, it might be appropriate to say, Hey, we need to like, we need to, you know, stop spending for a while. We need a spending halt, and 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 that's probably appropriate for everybody to do when this first started, right? Um, to especially if if you were not in good financial health, uh, to to get a little bit more conservative. Don't stop completely, but just get a little bit more conservative, uh, and make sure you're being more intentional. But I, I think that that's how we should always act. So, um, to make a to to I guess what I'm trying to say is that when you um, are holding on to your funds and not investing uh, what the Lord has entrusted you with. Um, you're not being, it's, it's possible that you're not being a good steward. Um, and when you're in, when you're just throwing money around uh, and just giving it to any, anybody who says that they can help you uh, without doing your due diligence and without doing your research, uh, you're also uh, uh, potentially being a bad steward. Uh, of the funds that your donors and that ultimately the Lord has entrusted in you. So yeah, uh, you, you, ha- you just have to be, you have to be strategic. You have to be thoughtful um, and you just can't react to the climate or to what, you know, people are saying. So if, just because other nonprofits are not spending money right now, um, you know, if there are ways for you to invest your money um, and invest the resources that you've been blessed with, in order to reap uh, more, uh, I would say do it. And and that's a, a good segue to our the next part of the question because I th- I think you see, um, one there's I think a a little bit of a fear that in the marketing space everybody and their mother is an expert in the marketing space, especially yeah. right now where that's uh, you know if you're saying you're an expert uh, at any one thing 
you know, I would be weary of that just because the mar- the the landscape is constantly changing. So, you know, if you're if you've got someone telling you, "Oh, we're going to guarantee results," that might not be the best way to go. But right. the, that segue to this next question: how how do you make sure when you're looking at agencies or looking at people, a strategist or a uh, marketing firm to come alongside you, partner with you, help you as a ministry leader, executive, whatever have you, what are some characteristics that ministries can, can, or, or should look to in the mark in marketing agencies? Yeah. So I think they want to look for marketing agencies that expect to be held accountable. Um, I, I think that's really important. Uh, and also marketing, marketing agencies or, uh, or even freelancers, that are set up to that have the experience um, to work with your particular ministry, um, because in the nonprofit world there are so many things that are complex. There's oftentimes too a lot of people who know that what you know what you and I have experienced that marketing tends to be underprioritized, and 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 the individuals who are uh, looking for agencies don't already really know what they should you know know. Uh, so there are a lot of individuals who are looking to take advantage uh, of you. Um, I, I think. I think on the on the flip side, though, if you inform yourself within reason, um, an informed person who did not know uh, anything about marketing could do a few things. Um, the first thing is uh, they should say, "Hey, uh, we need to figure out what our goals are," because some of these are just good business skills. They they overlap with marketing. Uh, mm-hmm. But they're but they're not comp- marketing um, um, doesn't have um, um, I can't think of the word that I'm looking for right now. They overlap with marketing, but it's not solely um, a, a marketing uh, exercise. Uh, so the first thing you want to do is is look at your goals and make sure you have some clear goals. and And I always encourage clients to use the uh, SMART goals methods. Um, because I think that's, um, a a super helpful way to make sure your goals are, uh, specific, uh, to make sure they are measured, um, to make sure they are, uh, attainable, um, to make sure they, I'm trying to remember there are, um, uh, reasonable, uh, yeah, attainable, reasonable, and, um, they can be tracked. I think the T is for tracked. Um, but and and the reason why is because sometimes goals are too broad. Sometimes goals are um, un, completely unreasonable. Like and 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 so you when you when you putting out your goals, especially when you're dealing with a company that you expect to hold accountable, you want to make sure that you have a um, you want to make sure that you have a plan in place uh, to to set yourself up so that you can communicate clearly. The next thing that you want to do, if you can, is you want to um, define exactly what problem it is that you want them to solve. Right. Um, And then from there, once you lay out, Hey, here are our goals, here are our problems. um, You want to allow them to speak into that. Um, Because you may think that your problem is one thing, um, but a, a a marketing person with some um, with some knowledge and some uh, and, and some insight may diagnose the problem differently, 
And you want to be open to that individual being able to speak in that because it has to be a partnership. Um, and, and if, if you don't see it as a partnership, if you're just looking for someone to execute tactics for you, um, then that's an individual that you can't hold accountable. And the reason why you can't hold them accountable is because tactics assume that a strategy has already been established. Strategy assumes that a problem has already been properly diagnosed. And um, essentially, if you've if if you've done all of that work and the only thing that you uh, the only thing that you want the agency to do is to execute tactics, uh, then that means that you're accountable for those results, not the agency. Um, right. But if you want an agency to come in and say, hey, I've, we've been having these problems. It's kind of like a doctor, right? Um, it, it, so so if you want an, if you want to hold your doctor accountable, you can't tell your doctor what your uh, diagnosis is. Or you can't diagnose yourself and then tell the doctor to give you some medicine. And then when <laughs> the medicine makes you sicker, right, you blame the doctor. It doesn't work right? that way, yeah. And then I also think, too, that at the very least, a good agency, if you try this tactic and say, hey, I know I got a strategy in place. I have, you know, this and that. I just need you guys to execute. Um, a good agency will, at the very least, um, let you know that they're not accountable for results. And some might not even work with you mm. because they don't want to waste. They don't want to be the ones to waste your time or waste your money. And, and that's, and that's usually the position that I take because I don't have a lot of time. Um, and I'm not working with nonprofits just for the money. I actually, I want to see wins. Mm -hmm. Um, so if, if, if we, if my agency, which is, and I think that's the primary thing that we kind of bring to the table, uh, is strategy, um, uh, because that's the part that I bring to the table. Um, right. but if, yeah, if I, if I have a nonprofit that doesn't want to partner and collaborate when it comes to strategy, um, I won't work with them. Hmm. Well, that's something that we see pretty often is we come in to a relationship with a client that wants say they want a website, but they are oftentimes just unwilling to go through the uh, messaging process, the strategy yep. process, and yep. they just want their website to be prettier. But yep. you know, if at the end of the day, you just have a prettier website that's not functional, it's not a, a user experience that's going to get the user where you want them to go. It's not going to be informed and driven by clear messaging and clear strategy to move that user to the goals that you have set out on this site, that new website is irrelevant. It's just a prettier face on, on a ugly dysfunctional system. And so um, that's, we, we are constantly pushing back and, and pushing against that. Hey, I just need a new website. Well, mm. no, you need to yeah. restructure your messaging because the, it is incredibly unclear. Nobody knows what you're doing. Yeah. And, you know, as a marketing agency or a digital agency or a creative agency, if I don't know what you're trying to say and what you're trying to communicate, how can I help you market and communicate exactly. to your audience? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. it happens, it happens all the time. So yeah, um, that's, that's really good. That's helpful. Um, now with that being said, the, this marketing landscape that we are living in is changing pretty rapidly. Um, and, and there's 
always new things to try? How can ministries uh, be innovative and try new and creative marketing strategies while uh, being responsible and accountable with donor funds? Because I, I think that that is yeah. some of the fears that, hey, we've got donor funds. We just need to be really careful how we spend this money. Most of the time, the money all just goes towards whatever cause they're working to solve. Um, and there's none left over for marketing. So one, so spending also, on marketing also get is- new donors. What's that? To also get new donors as well. Yeah. Like how, how do we, one, get them- marketing in general and spending money on marketing. And then two, mm -hmm. there is there need to be, to have funds designated towards being innovative with your marketing and trying new things because every single ministry is unique. How you reach that, your donor base is going to be unique from just doing the same thing as Charity Water or IJM or World mm -hmm. Vision, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and to be honest, man, I you mentioned them, and I'll I'll say that briefly. I I love Charity Water. Um, they they can't be replicated because what they do works for them. But you can tell that they've been extremely thoughtful uh, mm -hmm. and innovative, and and oftentimes um, ministries are afraid to be in, in innovative. And, and I don't know if that's a uh, I think that I think that's a uh, I think that's especially true um, amongst. Christian ministries, um, it seems to me, uh, the word even the, even the word innovation uh, sometimes uh, scares them. And I actually wrote an article um, uh, about this uh, for Lifeway um, Resources um, right before the pandemic. Um, because and and when the pandemic came, I wrote another article because I knew that that this was an was an issue um, uh, amongst Christian ministries. Um, I think that that fear that you referred to of not wanting to spend donors' uh, money is it, it can be. I love, I like it when it's when it's cautious, right? Uh, but yeah. at some point, you need to act, and at some point, you need to make a decision, and you can't allow your your fear to. Uh, your fear of your fear of fail, failure and your fear of making the wrong decision uh keep you um stagnant yeah freeze you right because when you're doing nothing um you're you you may look, one could say you're not losing money but you you that def, that's just because you're not losing money doesn't mean you're being a good steward the bible is clear <laughs> on that yeah right so um and and even if if you you try and you fail and you've done your research and 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 something just didn't work out for whatever reason i think god is still pleased with that earnest attempt um yeah. and i think most of your donors um uh probably would uh be okay with you trying new things and failing um cuz the people well, as long who as give it's a lot just that transparency right as long as right, as say, long hey, as that transparency hey, yeah we tried this thing and we thought this was a good idea. We did our research. We we thought that this was going to be a, a great marketing tactic or ma marketing strategy and it just didn't work out. You know, we're, yep. we're bummed about it. We're not going to do it again, but we're not going to stop innovating and just be com communicative Please, with your yep. audience, with your donor base. Just be uh, truthful and honest and transparent with how you're spending those funds. And they're going to appreciate that and say, hey, go for it. Try it again. 
you were honest with us. Like that's all we want. We want that communication. Um, and I, I think that that's where ministries get in trouble is if they're trying innovative things and not mm-hmm. being honest about that space. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think what they forget is that a lot of their, and, and this is my experience at least, uh, a lot of your top tier donors, your major donors, are oftentimes business people who understand mm-hmm. that there's risk involved, right? Yeah. Uh, but and, and sometimes that risk pays off really well. Um, so they want to see you uh, trying new things. One of the one of my favorite parts about RTS is that our board is is not made up of pastors or professors. Our board is made up of um, Christian men of godly character uh, who are all, for the most part, businessmen. Mm. Uh, entrepreneurs, uh, real estate, uh, uh, moguls, uh, uh, these, these guys know their stuff. So it's all, it's oftentimes refreshing, um, when we're engaging these guys because they get excited when we're trying something different. Um, and, and I think that's really helpful. So, um, yeah, I, I would say you kind of got, you, you gotta have that mentality and you gotta be okay with failure and you have to be okay with saying, Hey guys, we messed up. And I think again, we've, third time charity awards come up, but this is one of the things that they actually did. Um, I think they had a fail campaign or they, they had done something where they just kind of missed the mark. Um, mm-hmm. and they communicated it, um, uh, to all of their, um, uh, donors. And it was very transparent, uh, very transparent communication. It was, it was refreshing. They actually ended up, uh, receiving more funds, uh, uh, because of their transparency. And I thought that was really cool. And I think ministries tend to struggle with that, uh, unfortunately, and 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 we we have to uh, get over that barrier um, of number one being af- afraid of failure, and number two uh, being uh, un- unwilling to admit when we failed. Or uh, what I've seen is done a few times here and there is to blame the um, uh, marketing agencies or the contractors. That's I think that's part of the reason why marketers and you know, outside people tend to get a bad name um, <laughs> is because everybody's looking for a scapegoat. Yeah. Um, and I understand that pressure. Listen, I'm not, this is not a judgmental at all. Um, but, you know, you got to look at the entire story to make sure that is this shared responsibility or is this my, or is this my decision? Is this my, my fault? Right. Um, is this something I need to take ownership of? And some, and sometimes it is the agency because uh, there are a lot of bad agencies out there. So, but there are a lot of good ones too, I think. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> well, Philip, this has been really, really awesome. Uh, I think that this is going to provide some value for ministry leaders, some guidance and direction, and just some encouragement. Uh, thank I you so, so much. Thank you so much for being on the show. If uh, if people want to learn more about you or what you're doing with Highest Good or follow you with RTS, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can check out my um, LinkedIn page. Um, just look for Philip Holmes. Uh, you can also check out my website, which is under construction right now, but, uh, highestgoodcreative.com. Um, and if you have any follow-up questions, you can even email me at philip at highestgood.co. There's no M. So .co. That's philip, two L's, at highestgood.co. Perfect. And I'll, if you're okay with it, I'll put the, all that in the show notes. Yeah, except for the email. Um, <laughs> okay, you got it. because of bots, online bots. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, well, thank you so much. Can I pray for you and, and what you're doing? 
Please, absolutely. Father, I just lift up Philip and uh, pray that you would guide and lead him as he pursues highest good media and uh, pray for him as he uh, leads the communications team at RTS. Father, I pray that you would uh, just uh, make clear the path that you want him to go with with these teams that he's leading, that uh, the work that they would be doing and communicating um, to their audience, to new uh, clients or potential donors or people that want to be uh, a part of RTS, Lord, that they would um, just have clarity in the direction they're going, that, that their work would be effective, that um, that they would be able to help ministries in that highest good space, and that they would be able to help students get a uh, great education at RTS. Father, just uh, thank you for his willingness to use his gifts, talents, and abilities for, for uh, kingdom work, Father, and I pray that you would bless him for that. And uh, yeah, thank you f- for this conversation, and uh, I pray that it would be um, valuable to ministry leaders and executives and marketing directors. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you that we get to be a part of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Philip, thanks so much for being on the show, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Zach. I appreciate the invite. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at reliantcreative.org. See you next time.